everyone. Welcome to the Rivers Virtual Sunday Service. My name is Allison and I am the assistant pastor here. We are currently in a sermon series called Understanding the Bible Through Jesus. We are going through the Bible and reading the stories through the lens of God's unconditional agape love. For the last couple weeks, we have been exploring the story of Moses. Today, we are going to move on to a new character, Joshua. After Moses died, Joshua became leader of the Israelites, and he did so at a critical moment. After wandering for 40 years in the desert, it was finally time to enter the land that God had been promising to the Israelites for generations broad land that was described as flowing with milk and honey. In order to enter this land, the Israelites had to cross the Jordan River. But how were they going to get thousands of people across this body of water? Just like when God led the Israelites out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea, God parted the waters of the Jordan River so that the Israelites could walk across the dry riverbed. And once they made the crossing, God gave the Israelites specific instructions. Joshua 4 says, When the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Select twelve men from the people, one from each tribe, and command them, Take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua summoned the 12 men from the Israelites whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder one for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do those stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. The Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord told Joshua, carried them over with them to the place where they camped and laid them down there. Through Joshua, God instructed the Israelites to take 12 stones from the riverbed one for each of the tribes of Israel to make a memorial of their crossing. This memorial was intended to be a reminder to the people and to future generations of what God had done to bring the people out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Why would God ask the people to do this? After spending 40 years in the desert, I am sure the people were eager to put the past behind them and to begin to move forward. 
after the river crossing, I imagine that they may have wanted to put all their energy into the logistics of setting up the new campsite and into devising strategies for how to settle in the new land. So why did God ask them to linger in this moment of transition? I believe that God wanted the memorial to serve the people twice over, first when creating it and later when returning to it. While creating the memorial, the Israelites had an opportunity to pause and reflect on their journey thus far, as well as to let themselves truly savor the current moment. They could think about the lessons they had learned in the desert, acknowledge the ways they had experienced loss and gain, express gratitude for God's faithfulness through the generations, and allow themselves to be filled with awe, excitement, joy, and hope for the future. Pausing to memorialize gave the Israelites the chance to recognize the magnitude of the moment, to process the experiences that led them to the promised land, and to move intentionally into the next chapter. Lingering in and memorializing the transition was beneficial for the Israelites, and following their example can be beneficial for us as well. Transitions, even the most exciting, longed-for ones, can be incredibly challenging. Transitions inherently involve change. They require moving from the known into the unknown, which can be uncomfortable and stressful. Moments like graduating from school, getting married, having a child, celebrating a milestone birthday, retiring, or losing a loved one. These types of moments have rituals and ceremonies built in to help us pause and process and memorialize. But there are so many other life transitions that don't have these structures inherently built in. Moments like starting a new job, entering therapy for the first time, committing to a new habit or routine, experiencing new health issues, becoming an empty nester, or getting a divorce. Whether it's a moment that's big or small, one that society recognizes or ignores, just like the Israelites, we can benefit from pausing in moments of transition to reflect on the end of one season and the beginning of the next, to take stock of where we've been, where we are, and where we are going, to determine what we want to carry with us and remember as we move forward. Like the Israelites at the Jordan, we currently find ourselves in a moment of transition. This past week, the CDC relaxed mask mandates for fully vaccinated individuals. We are moving from life during the pandemic with all of its loss, hardship, and restrictions to a new season, a new normal. We don't know exactly what this new season will look like yet, but there is much to look forward to. Gatherings with friends and family, meals in restaurants, 
live performances, travel, and later this year, in-person church services. Stay tuned over the next month or so for details on our future plans. We are all eager to move forward into the good things waiting for us, into our own land flowing with milk and honey. But there may be some benefit to us taking a moment to pause, to linger in this moment of transition, to ask ourselves, are there lessons or practices that we want to carry with us into the next chapter? Are there experiences that we need to process in order to move forward? Are there stories that we want to preserve for the future? Are there individuals who are in danger of being left behind? The Israelites benefited from creating the rock memorial and also from returning to it in the weeks and months and years after the river crossing. When returning to the memorial, the Israelites had a tangible reminder of all that they had gone through. During times of struggle, the rocks reminded them of God's power, love, and faithfulness. And the rocks prompted the Israelites to share their stories with others, especially those of future generations. As humans, we often have a tendency to forget, to forget the lessons of history, both individually and communally, and sometimes to forget that God is always with us, loving us unconditionally. In part, this has to do with how we are hardwired. According to researchers on happiness and well-being, humans have a tendency to habituate to their circumstances, both the good and the bad. This process is called hedonic adaptation or the hedonic treadmill. Despite life's ups and downs, individuals tend to return to a set level of happiness. On the one hand, it is encouraging that we have the capacity to overcome difficult circumstances. But on the other hand, it is discouraging that positive events sometimes fail to have a lasting effect on our well-being. This has been observed in lottery winners. They experience an initial influx of joy and then, after about a year, they tend to return to their previous level of day-to-day -day happiness. The good news is, we can resist the hedonic treadmill through spiritual practices like mindfulness, gratitude, and remembrance. When we practice mindfulness, we slow down and become fully present in the current moment. This allows us to savor moments of celebration while they are happening. When we practice gratitude, we intentionally choose to turn our attention to and express thankfulness for the blessings in our lives. When we practice remembrance, we return to enduring truths and past experiences as sources of strength and encouragement. When the Israelites gathered the 12 stones from the Jordan River and later returned to the memorial, 
They were engaging in each of these practices. Mindfulness and gratitude are practices that we are likely familiar with, but remembrance is one that we talk about less often. There are many ways to practice remembrance. One of them is through the spiritual practice of communion. When Jesus broke the bread and poured the wine, he said, do this in remembrance of me. The practice of communion helps us to slow down and intentionally turn our attention to God's unconditional love for us. One friend of mine practices remembrance by journaling about experiences she wants to remember. And later, she rereads her entries when she needs encouragement. Another friend remembers through the practice of scrapbooking. A third friend practices remembrance by creating symbols in the same way that the Israelites used rocks as symbols. Every year, this friend of mine purchases a Christmas ornament to symbolize the ways that God worked in her life over the past year. When she puts her ornaments up on the tree, she is reminded of God's abundant love and faithfulness to her. Other people I know remember through the act of storytelling sharing their own stories and listening to others. There are many, many ways to practice remembrance. Take some time this week to think about which method might work best for you. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's story, to hear the ways that you personally approach moments of transition, if you are interested in discussing this sermon together, please join our sermon discussion group during our Zoom service. The service starts at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and the discussion group kicks off around 11.45. I hope to see you soon and have a wonderful week. Mm -hmm.